Welcome! You're listening to Uncommon Sense, and I'm Doug Morgan. And we appreciate all of the new listeners that we have here. We appreciate the old listeners too, but uh, but we appreciate how much it's grown. And it's all because of you guys. It's all because you're liking uh, the podcast, you're five-starring, you're subscribing, you're doing all the things that need to be done uh, to help grow the podcast. And we really do appreciate that. Please believe that. And we know that the uh, podcast uh, is, is being heard on a number of, of new formats. Um, iHeartRadio is the latest, and you can hear it there. I mean, obviously, uh, on Spotify and Anchor and, and all of those, Apple. Um, and if there is one that you uh, like to listen to your podcast on, but we're not on, uh, let us know, and we'll go ahead and submit the podcast there. But let's get right into today's podcast by um, just kind of stating the, the obvious that after the 2020 elections, many have been calling for changes in our election system. And we saw many states that did the unconstitutional things with their elections, like uh, allowing early voting, for instance. Um, and, and though it was illegal to allow early voting, they did it anyway. Uh, they didn't change the law, they just simply did it. And that uh, obviously was, was an illegal act during the last November's election. And in Georgia, we even saw, for instance, uh, things that were brought out later uh, over uh, 14,000, almost 15,000 voters moved out of state and yet voted anyway. Um, over 40,000 moved across country or county lines uh, 30 days before the election. So obviously they shouldn't have voted where they did. Uh, over 4,500 non-registered voters. I mean, these are voters that weren't even registered. They voted. Uh, over 2,500 inmates voted, which of course is illegal. Over 66,000 underage voters, um, people that that obviously can't be registered because they're underage to vote, and yet over 66,000 did anyway. Over 10,000 dead voters that we know of, and and this all adds up to over 138,000 votes that were illegal votes. And yet, how much did Joe Biden win in just Georgia alone? That was 12,000 votes. So we know, and then we, and it's very clear that our election system needs some reform uh, to restore the confidence that it's an actual fair system. I, I can still remember Jimmy Carter, after he uh, was no longer president of the United States, one of the things that he liked to do is he liked to go to other countries, and he liked to, to show them how to have a, a, a fair election and be an observer of their election system. And, you know, I think that time has come and gone as far as we're concerned in this country. We may need other countries to come show us how to have fair elections now. I mean, the, the, the confidence that, that our system is a fair and not rigged system is, is, is just very, very low at this point. And, and, it's, and it's for good reason, obviously. Uh, you may say, well, Doug, there, you know, there wasn't any fraud. In fact, over 60 court cases showed that to be the case. And, and that's just simply not true. Uh, if you look at those court cases, they weren't uh, thrown out of court or, or whatever uh, for lack of, of evidence. That's not what uh, it was. In fact, you, you can, if you can show me where there was a court case that, that rejected the evidence uh, that was presented to it, uh, I, I'm all ears, and and uh, please, you know, send it to to our email here at foruncommonsense at gmail .com. Would love to see that. Um, but everything that I've been able to to find shows that it was all done on procedures, which means 
Uh, for instance, that's, you know, it, can someone uh, bring the case actually to the court? Do, do, it, do they have standing is what it's called. Uh, and so, like, for instance, the, the Texas one was, uh, was brought and thrown out. Uh, why? Because uh, having a state sue another state for what happened in that other state is not uh, something that the courts wanted to uh, set a precedent uh, for. So, um, and, and again, we've, we've talked a little bit about that. We'll probably talk about it more later. But for this reason, uh, I was able to um, find this, this good article, and it kind of caught my eye here. It, it, it's entitled, Democrats Propose Sweeping Democracy Reform Bill to Affect Massive Change in election law, and this was by Zachary Mettler uh, back on February 8th, uh, and, he, and he published this in the Daily Citizen, which is a, a branch of uh, Focus on the Family, uh, and it states this, it says, the United States Senate is currently preoccupied with the second impeachment of former President Donald Trump, but after they vote on either uh, to either convict or acquit the former president, what comes next? Well, according to the Democratic leadership in the Senate, the first thing on the agenda is the passage of a sweeping democracy reform bill that would deliver a massive change to election law in every state in the nation. And here's a quote from that, and I want you to listen to this. Senate Democrats are committed to advancing real solutions and fighting to uphold the core tenets of our Constitution, which is why we are announcing today that the first bill of the new Congress will be the For the People Act. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said this. Uh, and I want to read this to you, that just that very first sentence one more time. Senate Democrats are committed to advancing real solutions. Well, the bill is entitled HR1, that's House Resolution 1, uh, to demonstrate that it is the number one priority for Democrats now that they have uh, regained control of the federal government. There's probably nothing more important than passing the For the People Act, said Jeff Merkley, a Democratic senator from Oregon. Uh, according to an analysis uh, provided by Heritage Foundation and, and the Heritage Action um, for the People Act would do some, some things here. And, and let's, let's break this down. Number one, this act would force states to implement early voting for one. So uh, it, it's, it's not a state-by-state -state thing. You have to have early voting in every state. Um, not just at, now, this is not just absentee voting, but it would require states to allow everyone to vote early if they want to. Uh, it would uh, automatically um, register people to vote. Now, this registers you to vote whether you apply, you know, when, when you apply for a dri driver's license um, or any form of ID. So uh, here in, in Washington and in Oregon and here in the Northwest uh, where this podcast originates, uh, we have this type of system. And there have been many instances of people's, even their, their party affiliation, uh, getting changed when they renew their license, let's say, their driver's license. Um, and and w why you would have this automatic voter registration system makes absolutely no sense. Because if someone wants to register to vote, they're going to register to vote. But if, if they're just, you know, uh, getting their driver's license, then why, why would you, um, you know, register somebody to vote? It, besides the fact that, that there are states, including those here in the Northwest, 
that even register uh, non-citizens to vote. Illegal aliens are can, can get a driver's license. And then, then obviously, from that, then be registered to vote. Um, this, this act would also have same-day voter registration. Now, you may say, well, that, that's, that's okay. What's, what's wrong with that? I, I take you back to, um, gosh, th- this has been a number of years ago. Uh, back, and you can even, if, if you have Netflix... Uh, you should watch a documentary called Wild Wild Country. And what this is about is it's about the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. And some of you may remember him, uh, some of you may not. But what, what happened uh, back uh, in, in the state of Oregon, and in specifically uh, eastern Oregon, was that there was a little town called Antelope. And it was really a small town. I've been through it myself very small town. It, it, in fact, at that time, I think the population was something like 40. <laughs> so, like I say, it's a very small town, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And this this cult, or this commune, ended up buying a massive amount of property out there near there, uh, called the Old Muddy Ranch. And, uh, and, and, and instead of just kind of keeping to themselves, or whatever the case, d- doing their thing, because they were pretty out there, uh, they followed a guy by the name of Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, and he was a guy from India. And he um, he came and he and he, he was telling you uh, he was telling all of his his followers, okay, you just sell everything you have and give it to me, and and then you can come, and you can live at this commune, and you you know we'll we'll take care of you, and and, uh, and it all will be great, right? And uh, of course, I mean, he had just a huge number of Rolls Royces and, and, you know, uh, private jets and I mean, all, all kinds of different stuff, obviously, through this. But anyway, the, the, the point here is that the, the commune leaders started to bring in homeless people from around all, all over the United States in an attempt to not only just overthrow the little town of, of Antelope, and, and they literally did that. They, they elected their own mayor, they changed the name of Antelope to, I, I think it was Rajneesh, and, um, and, and, but they continued on, and they literally uh, started doing this to try to win the elections of the county, uh, which is Wasco County there, and, and, they, and there was a lot of stuff that, went, you, you know, like I say, I would recommend the uh, documentary, I think it's. I think they did a, a pretty even-handed job of of uh, um, you know for t- uh, telling what went on and and even having a lot of footage and whatnot. But anyway, so what is wrong with same-day voter registration? Well, there can be a lot of things wrong because what happens is that that you don't have the time when when you have people that come in and and and. You know they're bringing these homeless in, and what they're doing is they're registering them to vote really quick, and then all, and then they're of course helping them vote, and 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 these uh, there's not enough time to sift through all this, and so uh, so that's when Oregon instituted uh, the 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 law that said you had to register within a certain period of time in order to uh, you know vote in the, in that next coming election, and so uh, nothing wrong with that at all. To say that same day voter registration is okay. I think it's, it is only promoting fraud rather than, than doing the opposite. All right, what else is this uh, bill going to do? Well, online voter registration is uh, is something that is going to provide that, that all states would need online voter registration. Again, I ask the question, how does this help voter fraud? If you have online voter registration, how does that help voter fraud? It, again, only exacerbates the problem, in my opinion. Uh, it also has no-fault absentee voting. 
no-fault absentee voting allows you to vote without ever even going to a polling place. Now, I know there are states, including here in the Northwest, uh, we don't have polling places anymore, uh, haven't had for a little while, and uh, and yet there, most places do. And and really, what it gets down to is why why would uh, voter ID um, even be necessary if, if you just simply have all... Um, you know, vote by mail type of type of system. A no fault absentee voting just basically says that every state needs the ability to to be able to have people vote by mail. Um, it automatically registers all individuals as voters when they become eligible. Did you hear that? It automatically registers all individuals as voters when they become eligible. Now, I think this is a dangerous thing because I because in my opinion, when you when you will, um, when you allow uninformed voters to vote, then then you're you're, gonna, you're creating problems. So, for instance, when it gets close to an election, what do you see in your neighbor's yard? Oftentimes, <laughs> you see lots of signs, right? And you see these signs that basically, I mean, they're all kind of the same. They're usually either red, right, red, white, or blue, or all the above, <clears throat> and they have a name on it, and they'll say you know, vote for representative so-and-so. And, and, uh, and, and why, why do campaigns spend massive amount of money on yard signs? Because it doesn't usually say anything as far as where their position is. Sometimes it doesn't even say what party they belong to. Um, but why, why is it then that, that they would spend all this money uh, creating yard signs? Well, because... So oftentimes people will vote just simply based off of name recognition. And so, you know, you go down the street and you see, you know, 100 signs for, for Joe Smith for Congress. You're, you, when the ballot comes and, and, and you're sitting there in front of it and it says Joe Smith for Senate, you're going to, you know, you're going to vote for him because, hey, I saw all these signs. And if all these signs say Joe Smith, well, I'm going, to vote, I'm going to vote for Joe Smith. I don't know what he stands for. I don't know even what party he is probably, but, I, but I'm going to vote for him because I saw all kinds of yard signs. Well, that, that happens all the time. And what I'm trying to say is when you have an uninformed voter, when you have a voter who's voting and doesn't understand what the issue is or the, or the candidates, who the candidates are, then that's a dangerous thing because then you're electing people uh, just based off of uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like when, um, you know, when, when the, uh, uh, March Madness comes around and you have all these, these, um, different brackets that come out and usually you know, you'll, you'll have like your wife or somebody or your sister or something, you know, that try to, to make the pool bigger and, and Hey, you're trying to get them to play. And they're like, I don't know anything about basketball. And, 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 and you say, you say, well, it doesn't matter. Just, just pick somebody, you know? And, and so they're all, oh, well, okay, I'll pick this one because I like the color of their uniforms and oh, and I'll pick this one because I really like Eagles or whatever. And of course they're the ones that end up usually winning that bracket. But anyway, beyond that, we, you know, it's, it's kind of like that in voting, you know, that, that, that people are voting for or against certain issues or, uh, and ballot measures or levies or candidates and they don't know why they're voting for that. I would rather have people uh, who are informed voters vote, uh, and then those that aren't informed not vote. And and I know you know the get out the vote campaigns are out there, but I I am a firm believer that an informed voter is one that needs to be encouraged, not the uninformed voter. 
and and this is only encouraging that type of thing to take place. I mean, it, I I understand that we are busy in our lives, and there, and it, it it there's a lot of things that we need to to, to do, and and on that to do list is obviously not uh, looking up what candidate we need to vote for oftentimes, but. Um, if, if I don't, if, if I don't know a candidate, and I, I do my research, but if I can't find any information about, uh, about a candidate, um, I don't, I don't vote for that, that particular, uh, race. And so I, I, I will leave that part of my ballot blank. And I think that's a good thing to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a part of this bill is making automatic registration for all individuals as voters, um, when they, when they become eligible, a thing. So, um, next thing, it requires states to count ballots uh, cast by voters outside of their voting district. How is that a good thing? How is that a good thing that, that it would require the states to count ballots of voters casting outside their districts? That, that, that is only perpetuating the problem. It also prevents uh, election officials from verifying the uh, eligibility of voters. So, so... So we can't verify whether or not a voter is even eligible to vote in that race is what this is doing. This is the opposite of what we need to be doing for fair elections. Uh, It stops states from removing voters from voter rolls due to repeated failures to vote. Now, in every state, voter, uh, voter rolls are what they call purged of voters who haven't voted forever, you know, for years, let's say. And and whether it's, it's just simply because maybe they moved out of state and, and, this, and the, the election office didn't get that, that memo and they kept them on the voter rolls or whatever, maybe they died, whatever the case may be, they, they didn't purge their uh, voter registration rolls. And, and this stops states from removing those voters. Um, so there's just no, there's just no way to clear the books in, 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 in this case. And, and here's, here's another one. It allows individuals to vote by signing a statement, verifying their identity rather than requiring proof of voter of of identification. Now this, this one gets me. Okay. Like the other ones haven't, I know I got it. Here's, here's the thing. I think the best way to solve our problem here when it comes to voter fraud is to have voter ID. I mean, how else, how else it, it, would it be better to, to, to do things to, to solve the, the, the problem, the fraud? I mean, if you have a, a, a driver's license with your picture on it, a picture ID, and you just simply show the person at the polling place, look, this is who I am. Look, it looks like me. Yes, I will sign here. Yes, I will take my ballot and I will fill it out and I'll drop it in to the ballot box. How, I mean, that is how you have a honest and fair election. And, and to say that, that not everyone can get an ID. Okay, that is probably the, the lamest argument I have heard in a very long time. I mean, here, here okay, here's the list of things you cannot do without a voter ID. Okay. You can't buy alcohol. You can't buy cigarettes. You can't open or use a bank account. You can't apply for food stamps. You can't apply for welfare. You can't apply for Medicare or social security. You can't apply for unemployment or even get a job. You can't rent or buy a house. 
You can't even uh, apply for a mortgage. You can't apply for any loan or credit card for that matter. Turning in, uh, turning on utilities at your house requires a photo ID. To drive, to buy or rent a car, you need photo ID. To get on an airplane, to get married, to purchase a gun, you need photo, photo ID. To sell something at a pawn shop, write a check. I mean, I know most people don't write checks anymore, but whenever you're writing a check at a store, if you wanted to, you would need your ID to show that this check is okay. If you want to adopt a pet, you want to rent a hotel room, apply for a hunting or a fishing license, you need voter, not a voter ID, you need a picture ID. You need a picture ID to buy a cell phone to visit a casino, to pick up a prescription, to purchase certain cold medicines, to hold a rally or protest, a blood donation. You can't donate blood without a picture ID. If you want to buy an M-rated video game, you need it. You purchase nail polish at CVS, you need it. Uh, Visiting a doctor's office or a hospital, is it's required that you have photo ID. Getting something notarized can't be done without photo ID. You can't even vote in a union without voter ID, without the ID, the picture ID. And to say that people are too stupid to get a picture ID. I mean, you don't need a driver's license to have a picture ID. You can get a government given picture ID. They will give it to you. And and to say that you can't get one, but yet you need one for all of these other things is just ridiculous and a ridiculous argument. It is, it is by far the best way, in my opinion, to, to solve our problems here. Now, this bill requires states to uh, restore the ability of felons to vote as soon as they are released from prison. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. So we're going to allow those that have just been let out of prison to vote on, on things that are legal uh, to do and not, and not do. I mean, like, like you know, making uh, pot uh, legal or uh, decriminalizing hard drugs like they've done here uh, in, in, in Oregon. Uh, use the, it, it, it's, it uh, also is going to allow the use of taxpayer funds to create a six to one match on political contributions of up to, up to $200 thereby requiring Americans to fund political candidates they disagree with. So why, why should I have to pay for the, the campaign of a liberal candidate? I don't want, I don't want a, my taxpayer payer dollars going there. Uh, if, if they have a candidate and, uh, that, that is uh, a good candidate and should be running, then he's going to be able to, to fund his own campaign. Um, number nine, it allows candidates to take a salary from their campaigns on top of their congressional salary. There is in our law in our in, in our laws, it's they're set up now where there's a separation between the office holder and the campaign. And, and it's for a good reason. Because you don't want like legislative staff using taxpayer money on c- campaign work. I mean you don't want uh, you know, the, the person that that I'm paying with his salary with my taxpayer dollar to help him as he's a congressman, let's say, why should I be paying him to go make copies using the taxpayer dollar bought, for, bought, bought and paid for copier for his campaign? That, that's, 
you can't mix the two, but here this is obviously doing that. And and lastly, it requires political nonprofits to disclose their donors. Now, finally, there's something that sheds a little more light on campaigns instead of making it easier to hide fraud. So, you know, I, I think I might be able to get behind that. But you know, the 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 the, the, the last thing here is in this article. It says Heritage says that the HR one federalized and micromanages the election process administered by the states, imposing unnecessary, unwise, and unconstitutional mandates on the states and reversing the decentralization of American election process, which is necessary for providing our liberty and freedom. Following the 2020 election, many Americans expressed deep concerns about the security of our election system. Passage of the For the People Act would exacerbate these concerns. Though Democrats plan to bring the H.R. 1 to the Senate floor by uh, consideration for consideration and a vote sometime in the near future, at this point, it's unlikely that the bill will uh, ultimately become law. See, this is a bit of good news here. Even though the Democratic Party currently has united control of the federal government, it takes 60 votes in the Senate to override the filibuster, and the bill is likely dead on arrival unless Democrats can garner support from the for the bill from 10 Senate Republicans. So, so it sounds like th- this does not have too much of a chance of, of becoming law, but it's interesting that it's the very first thing that the Democrats uh, bring to the um, uh, to to a vote, and and how it does for the most part the opposite of what it says, and the opposite of what people need in order to restore their confidence in our election system. Uh, you may agree, you may disagree. Love to hear uh, your comments on it, and of course those can be sent to. For uncommon sense at gmail.com. That's for uncommon sense. For F O R uncommon sense at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.